some new listeners because today we had some doctor's appointments for this baby and he decided to tell every person he saw about Mama Mystery. Because so, you're famous. <laughs> so if you're listening and I told you about it today, that's pretty cool. That's a personal shout out to you. So without further ado, we are going to get into today's episode. So this one was recommended by one of our Patreon members, Taylor McDowell. Hey, Taylor. Hi, Taylor. I think I know her. Yeah. Yeah, I know Taylor McDowell, I think. I think you do. And she requested the Krug Park murder. So we we live in like the Kansas City area. I, I know a lot of our listeners do as well. So if so, you might be familiar with some of the small towns that kind of surround Kansas City. And one of those cities is called St. Joseph. Um, it's in northwest Missouri. It's like, I don't know, it's, it's a decent-sized city, but it's definitely smaller than Kansas City. Um, so anyway, a few years ago, this case occurred, and it was very close to home. Um, I have some personal ties to this story that I probably won't talk about because um, I actually reached out to the girl's family um, spoke with the victim's mom. Serious? I did. Yeah, because I wanted her permission to talk about this story since it was so close to home. And she did give me her permission, um, so I'm thankful for that. But just out of respect for the family, I won't go into the personal ties that I happen to have to this case. But without further ado, we are going to go ahead and get started. So, Caitlin Root was born on November 11th of 1998 to David Stevens and Jamie Root. And according to Caitlin's grandmother, Carla, Caitlin was very funny and artistic. She liked to be silly and dance and sing and just do about anything for anybody. She was a vibrant, loving, caring girl. Um, After talking to her mom, I learned that Caitlin was a real ideal kid. She was a good student, had good grades, always went to school, um, just an easy kid. And in the summer of 2016, Caitlin's mom, Jamie, and her husband, Daniel, had moved to California. They they uprooted from St. Joseph and moved to California. But Caitlin stayed behind, I'm assuming probably to finish her school Um, You know, because that's hard to leave high school, especially. So on Saturday, October 15th of 2016, Caitlin was FaceTiming with her mom, as they usually did. That's how they kept in touch. Um, And they talked about how Caitlin was going to be visiting them soon in California for her birthday just the following month. They were both very excited for this visit. Um, And Caitlin was supposed to call her back later that night, but when she never did, her stepdad Daniel just assumed that she was probably out with friends, maybe forgot, wasn't that big of a deal. Caitlin loved to go for walks and spend time with her friends. She loved being outside, so it wasn't that unusual that she might be away from her phone. But the next day, it was reported on the news that a body had been found at a local park in St. Joseph. So Krug Park is a pretty big park with 163 acres, an amphitheater, lagoon, rose gardens, 
picnic areas. There's a huge vacant castle and lots of biking and hiking trails. Um, this is a total side note. I'm going to derail for just a second for a personal story. This park is where my son, Jack, said his first curse word. <laughs> and I have With to tell perfect this context. story. I have to tell this story because it is kind of funny. I hope you appreciate it. But every year, Krug Park puts on this holiday light fest, right? It's a big deal. Everyone in the city knows about it. So I took my kids to this this like a holiday light show. Cars just get in line and drive through it. Yeah, yeah. You stay in your car and you just drive through. So we got there kind of early because I brought my kids after school not knowing that it doesn't open until 6. So we got there probably like 5, 5.30, and we had to sit and wait in line. And I had no idea that it wasn't just open when the sun goes down, right? So Jack started getting really impatient, and out of nowhere, he was probably four at the time. He wasn't in preschool. <sighs> and go ahead and tell them what he said. He goes, why aren't these fucking cars moving? <laughs> and I... I wasn't in the vehicle. I looked back. So I'm the parent that laughs because my kid, first of all, had never said that word. And he had never even said a minor curse word, let alone... Straight to it. Straight to the F-bomb. <laughs> he just went straight for the F-bomb. So I turned and I was like, Jack, oh my gosh. Like, I, I couldn't conceal how funny I thought it was on my face. And he was like, why aren't these cars moving? I was like, that is not what you said, child. But he was probably like four or five. But where did he get this from? You. My ass, he got it from me. Okay, case in point. No, no, he totally got it from you. And you totally probably said that three times before. Maybe in other situations under my breath. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to know. Yeah, things it's happen hard. all the time. Yeah, things happen all the time. Anyway, that's my personal, like, Krug connection to Krug Park. It's the first place my sweet cherub set his first F-bomb. So, anyway, Krug Park, though, it's, it's a huge park. Everyone who lives in St. Joseph knows about this park. People from out of town might even know about it, too. But, anyway, on the news... It had been reported that a body was found in Krug Park, of all places. So when Caitlin's mom heard this on the news, she got a little nervous, even though her daughter never mentioned Krug Park to her. It was not a typical place that she would go. So she stayed hopeful, even though she hadn't heard from Caitlin, but I'm sure that was kind of like sitting in the back of her mind. But it's by wild Monday, you talk to her mom. Like that, it's crazy you talked to her mom. Can I derail this real quick? Yeah. When did you talk to her? I talked to her probably like a month ago when I first started writing this story. On the phone or on text? It or was what? through Messenger. Through Messenger. Yeah. And she was really sweet and open. Um, you know, when you lose somebody so close to you, you grieve differently, right? And everyone grieves differently. And I wanted to respect how she was grieving. So I didn't want to talk about this story if she didn't want me to, if she didn't want anyone else talking about it. So Valid. good point. I, I wanted to make sure I at least got her permission and I did. So I'm very thankful for that. Interesting. But <clears throat> okay, so anyway, by Monday, Jamie got the dreaded call from Caitlin's dad that the body that was found in Krug Park was identified as their daughter, Caitlin. She was found by a jogger on one of the trails in the park. She was found unclothed, strangled, and stabbed. 
nearby they found part of Caitlin's damaged cell phone. And once they expanded the area of the search, they were able to find the other missing pieces to her phone. One of the lead detectives, Frank Till from the St. Joseph Police Department, described how once they found those missing pieces, they were able to tap into the phone's memory and open her Facebook Messenger account. And through Facebook Messenger, Caitlin was having a conversation with a 17-year-old girl named Amanda Bennett. So Amanda was messaging multiple people that night to hang out, and Caitlin just happened to be the only one who responded. There was also a photo found in Caitlin's phone from the night that it was believed she was murdered, and the photo was taken inside of a local store nearby. So the detectives were able to figure out what store it was, check the security footage from that store, and get a snapshot a snapshot, excuse me, of Caitlin and two other people. One of those people was Amanda Bennett, and the other was Amanda's 18-year-old boyfriend, Sebastian Dowell. So we now know that the trio met up at a different local park. They went to a store together, drove around for a little bit before deciding to go for a walk in Krug Park. Sebastian and Amanda then lured, or I'm sorry, lured Caitlin into a secluded area, rendered her unconscious by hitting her with a stick, and then stabbing her. Gosh. It was completely senseless, and I can't help but think that, you know, the only reason Caitlin responded to Amanda was because Caitlin was just a sweet girl who would talk to anybody, and... Maybe on some level she was kind of lonely, so she enjoyed, like, interacting with her friends and would never just, like, turn anybody down. Like, at least that's kind of the vibe that I get. Um, But she just happened to be the one unlucky person who happened to respond to Amanda's message. I don't think it was, like, a targeted thing that Amanda and Sebastian were seeking out specifically just Caitlin. It was whoever would answer that night. So one week after the murder, on October 23rd, Amanda and Sebastian were arrested and charged with second-degree murder. And during one of Frank Till's initial interviews with Sebastian, Sebastian admitted that he had dabbled in dark religion since he was a child, and that Caitlin's murder was part of a satanic ritual or sacrifice. However, he said that the killing itself was actually Amanda's idea, which Amanda, of course, denied. Um, She had her own interview and claimed that the plan was actually Sebastian's idea. I mean, of course. Of course, they're not going to admit to it, and they're going to try to throw each other under the bus. But she did admit to intentionally scouting for victims by messaging a few, quote, depressed people, unquote. Man. Amanda admitted to being the one to hit Caitlin with a stick, but swore it was Sebastian who knocked Caitlin to the ground, hitting and choking her. Amanda also told investigators that Sebastian took a syringe and stuck it into Caitlin's neck, but not knowing what was in the syringe, but apparently she seemed to pass out after that. And I don't even know if that's true. The other reports I've heard don't mention anything being injected into her neck. So I don't, I don't know if she's just making that up. But Amanda said Sebastian told her that in order for the murder to be a pure sacrifice, Amanda had to stab Caitlin, but she couldn't do it, so Sebastian did. And she went on to detail that after the stabbing, they removed her clothes, 
and began gathering up their items when Amanda looked over and saw Caitlin standing up. So Amanda no claims mm-hmm, Amanda claims that at that point was when Sebastian slit her throat. She insisted that she was not the one to kill Caitlin, but that it was Sebastian who dealt that final fatal blow. So I think, you know, we have this back and forth, these details that kind of pin the blame on both of them. But these two were both culpable in attacking Caitlin and murdering Caitlin. For this bullshit story they have of a satanic ritual. Right. That was their motive. Completely random, senseless. That's it. So none of Amanda's version of events really mattered because since they were both there, they both had the knives, the gloves, and the plan, and they were both culpable, like I said. So ultimately, Amanda and Sebastian both pleaded guilty to their second-degree murder charges. Sebastian was sentenced to life in prison, but when it came time for Amanda's sentencing, Judge Patrick Robb listened to Amanda's attorney, Don Williams, argue for a 15-year sentence, while the prosecuting attorney, Dwight Scroggins, argued that she deserved life in prison. Amen. Dwight Scroggins was adamant that, that Amanda received this harsher sentence because of a letter that he intercepted while Amanda was in jail. So Amanda wrote this letter that was intended for Sebastian. I do remember this part of the story. Yes. And in the letter, she wrote, quote, I always said I could get away with murder, end quote. And according to an article in News Press Now written by Marshall White, Amanda wrote about the next murder and how she wants to torture a victim so she can hear them talk to her and that the next time they would do it her way because if it had been done her way the first time, they never would have been caught. And how dumb do you have to be to write that in a letter from jail, you complete imbecile. <laughs> Didn't she write that? To, who was she writing that to? I'm literally smacking my forehead. She wrote it to the, her boyfriend, the, the guy that she killed Caitlin with. Oh, the guy, the accomplice. Yes, she was trying to write a letter to Sebastian. Ass. Like how stupid! And what really blows my mind is the irony of how arrogant she sounds in this letter like if we had done it my way we would have gotten away with it meanwhile you're writing this in jail you dumb shit so anyway that was just a nice little side bit but she also tried to send sebastian a vial of her blood saying quote my blood is special and demons love it and what a freak people out there are freaking strange yeah Yeah. Um, You want to know how much worse it gets? Amanda was pregnant at the time with Sebastian's baby. Wait, what? Yes. Amanda was in jail after killing Caitlin. She was pregnant with Sebastian's baby and gave birth to their son while she was being held at the Buchanan County Jail. The baby was obviously taken from her. I don't know what happened to the baby. I didn't look into it because it doesn't matter. How sad for that matter. kid. You know, someday grow up and learn this was your this was These your, were your parents. parents. These were your parents. Like, that sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just when you thought, like, the story couldn't get worse, she had a baby. So um, after the sentencing, Caitlin's mom, Jamie, said, quote, I'm ecstatic. I got the verdict that I wanted. 
I will be at every parole hearing, every hearing he ever has. His family, they show no remorse. They don't know what pain is. They didn't lose a child. They get to go to prison and see their child. I don't, end quote. At the first anniversary of Caitlin's death, friends and family gathered at Krug Park to celebrate her life and keep her memory alive. Although they'll never have honest answers as to why Amanda and Sebastian did what they did, her parents believed that they got what they deserved with their life sentences. So I, I wish I had a better ending for this story. Um, it sucks because... How, how long did it take... Sorry, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. How long did it take them to find the people? A week. Less than a week. So this whole thing was solved in a week? Yes. Wow. I just think that goes to show how dumb the criminals were, how senseless this whole thing was. Um, I feel terrible for... Caitlin and her family having to live with that and through that, especially, I mean, it, it's just so senseless. Like, n- a lot of murders don't make sense. I know that. But I don't know. This one was just heartbreaking. And it was so close to home, um, too close to home. Yeah, that's freaking wild. Yeah. So our next episode is also going to be another Patreon-exclusive recommended by Katie Mays. We're going to be talking about the wife swap murders. So stay tuned for that. Wife swap, hey. Okay, don't get crazy. Just playing. All right. That's actually pretty weird. Mama, mystery, out. <laughs>